With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lockaway channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pamper Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. Depending on how old you are, you either feel like you grew up with Lauren Haregi or you feel like you watched her grow up as part of the girl group Fifth Harmony. As other members of the group have moved on into their own solo careers, Lauren has taken her time finding her sound and her voice, and her new debut EP, Prelude, is a monument to the work she has done to find herself. Lauren, congratulations on the EP. It's absolutely beautiful and so rich and wonderful, and I want to talk a little bit about your backstory so we can talk about how we got to this moment where you really get to be you. You say that growing up in your house was loud, which is incredibly relatable, Cuban to Cuban. (laughs) Who was the first person, though, that made you believe you had talent? My mom and dad, my parents, my whole family. My family has always been so supportive of me. And my dad is a musician as well. He plays drums and piano by ear. And he also sings and he whistles like really amazingly. Yeah, I think they were the first people to tell me that like I could sing. You realize it's almost 10 years ago you auditioned for X Factor? I know, girl. 10 years. I was watching that audition tape. Nine years. I'm not. I can't be like a decade in this thing yet. But it has almost been a decade. And not only has it been a decade, you're like a baby in that audition. I was a baby. I was a literal child. It's crazy. Have you watched that audition recently? I have not recently watched it, but I do watch it from time to time just to remind myself where I started. <laughs> yeah. And what do you think when you see that girl? Because it's a girl. Wow. Like you had no idea what was going to happen, but you're so strong. 
Because out of X Factor grows Fifth Harmony. And you've said at the beginning you didn't feel like you belonged. You have an entire conversation with your parents. They give you an out, say you don't have to do this if you don't want to do this, but this is your vehicle. So if you want to stay. But the thing you've said that really struck me about that time was that you experienced an ego death while being part of Fifth Harmony. I think a lot of us have had a moment of experiencing ego death. What did that look like for you? It was a moment in my life where I had to put everything aside. I don't know how to say this in a way that's not sounding arrogant, so I'm going to try my best. So I didn't feel like I was supposed to be in a group. I didn't want to be in a group. I was very like personally adamant about that in my own prayers while I was there because I knew they were looking for a girl group. So when I got put in the group, I considered that an ego death because I had to put what I thought I was supposed to do aside and what I thought was supposed to happen aside. And I had to make room for God's plan. God is different for everyone, but for me, there's a higher power at work constantly in my life. And I feel like my purpose is tied heavily to music. And at the time, if I would have gone any other route, I would not have done it. I would not have completed my mission here. Because if I would have done it by myself without having done it through X Factor, if I would have just tried to like get into the music industry somehow from having zero connections and zero foot-ins and zero anything. I was so sensitive. I don't know if I could have handled all of the no's and rejection and sexual harassment that young women go through in the process of getting somewhere in this industry. I don't know if I could have handled that. I don't know if my spirit could have handled that. And then if I had still done X Factor and still been alone, if I would have gone through what I went through with Harmony alone without four other girls that were also experiencing the same thing that I was, which was this overnight phenomenon fame where a bunch of people care about what you think and say and act and show up places and you have to change your phone numbers, things like that. You know what I'm saying? That no one can really prepare you for. If I would have gone through that alone, I would have quit. I would have not done music because I have no affinity for this like fame stuff, to be honest. Like it's not really something that I could have planned for. And everyone says, oh, you knew what you were getting. No, you don't know what you're getting yourself into until you're in it. And anyone who's in it can tell you the same thing. And having gone through that and having to work because other people depended on me showing up, because that was really what motivated me was the fact that other people were really depending on me showing up. Doing that and understanding the work ethic that it takes to get to the place that Fifth Harmony got to was a huge part of my learning process as a musician, as an artist, as a businesswoman, and as a woman, as a woman navigating the world. So yeah, it would, it just, if it didn't happen exactly like it did, I would not be where I am now. When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads, what did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blowout barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. 
Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size 8. And now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important. And it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the balls filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? (laughs) They do look cute, though. Bringing cheer. M&M's for all fun kind. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. When you talk about that work ethic, there's that work ethic, but there's also something you've alluded to before, which is burnout during those years. And I think sometimes it's easy to think it's all private jets and award shows. You were doing mall tours. (laughs) Yeah, girl. Like you were in the grind. Can you take me back to one of the times when you were being pushed past what was the reasonable limit? It happened so many times, to be honest especially when we were underage, I think, like 24-hour shoots. Shit, that was just intense. I think the burnout, unfortunately, especially at the time that we were in, before mental health conversations and anyone even making space for artists to have those kinds of conversations, you just couldn't really say nothing because there's people waiting in the wings Hungry for it is what the answer is. There's people who are willing to work twice as hard, three times as hard, five times as hard, 10 times as hard as you. And that's true. This industry is a lot about, very much less about your talent than it is about your work ethic and where you are and how you navigate. As you said, no one, nothing can prepare you for becoming a public person. I can't imagine how true that is when you become a public person at 15, a globally known public person. There was a lot of scrutiny, both I imagine from the immediate team, also just from strangers on the internet, which is the nature of being a public person these days. It's to me some of the most interesting elements of your new EP, which is really grappling with that scrutiny and what you listen to and what you push back on. What was it that was reaching you most often? And what does it do to a teenager when the opinions that you're processing are not just like the girl who sits next to you in chem class, but the opinions of the entire world? I was sensitive when it was the girl in chem class, you know what I'm saying? But to be honest, this is just part of it, right? Again, every piece is a part of building me to who I am right now, who I need to be right now in order to do what I've got to do. What I feel is my purpose, what I feel is my mission here on this planet, right? So I had to get thicker skin. And when I say ego death, it's like 
I had to learn to love myself authentically. When people are giving you so many opinions about who you are or who you're supposed to be, when it's someone you know, it hurts a little more. But when it's strangers and you're just starting out with that kind of reality where strangers are telling you about yourself or thinking they can tell you about yourself, that shit is weird. Like it's a weird space because you find yourself making decisions and doing things and acting ways that you wouldn't normally or naturally be doing or acting just to protect yourself from what that could potentially mean or what that could potentially turn into, how it could get skewed to making you, and that's not to say like engaging in, in like toxic behavior or anything like that, but just there's a limit to how you can live your life, how you can experience life, how you can make mistakes or not make mistakes. I don't know. When you're 16 through 21, I feel like we make so many mistakes in the privacy of our anonymity and figuring out life, you know, and I didn't get to do that. And there's no backseas on that. There is no backseas. That was difficult to process and deal with, but it was also a part of it. Again, like I'm so much more secure in who I am now without anyone's opinion influencing it because of not just that, but like all of the trials and tribulations I've gone through since. What's clear to me talking to you and what was clear to me reading all of the recent press you've done is I'm finding you on the other side of this journey, but there clearly was a journey to bring you to that this moment. And part of what I find interesting is I think most of us would think you you do your healing, you do therapy, you do whatever it is you need to do to find yourself. And from there, you start finding your voice, start finding your sound. For you, it actually happened in the inverse, where you began finding yourself sonically and through that process, begin to really hash through these questions of who you are, what you want, who you want to be in this next incarnation of your life. What did that look like? What did that require of you? Presence. Mm. It just required me to be present with what I was really feeling, even if I didn't really know what that was. Sometimes I was just writing to write and sometimes I was writing to feel and sometimes I was just like writing without intention. And there was a stark difference in all of those tracks and like which tracks made it to the full piece, I think just more resonated with that version of me that was figuring herself out, which is like you said, I still am that person. And that's why I still resonate with this music enough to still put it out now, even though I wrote it then, is because... I say in colors, like all of the versions of myself are still part of me, even if I don't entertain the less healed parts anymore. Describe to me who you feel you were being asked to be or who it was you were showing up as and how that person is the same or different than the person you're showing up as now. I don't know, because she was still me. It was just like a 5% version of me. No effort and no like presence, soul off. And then I still am working up the percentage. I think sometimes I'm still scared to give my full 100% because when you give 100%, you can't take it back. You can't make an excuse for it. And I think sometimes I get caught up in that, but I do give my 100% in the meticulous nature with which I finish things, I wanna give things, but I hold myself back sometimes just out of pure habitual self-sabotage that I could speak to a lot of people about. Yeah, because then you can always manage expectations, your own and others. Yeah. So there's a rationale for why things didn't work out. Do you have a favorite song on the album? I love them all, truly. They're all your babies, but if you had to choose, 
If I had to choose one, I'd probably pick Scattered just because the chorus is just so real and present. And I love the beat. I love the way that the drums come in and I love the way it makes me feel. Scattered is my favorite song on the EP, so I do feel like we need to bring in another person who had a different favorite song to give them all equal representation because they're very different sounds existing. That's how you felt? Yes. I'm like a moody solo female artist listener. So all of the first few tracks resonated with me. And then I was like, I love these tracks that sound more like R&B tracks, but they feel different. Yeah. They kind of all live in the same sonic world though, because they still have elements of each other in them, I think, especially lyrically. Talk to me about the decision to go independent and why that felt necessary and aligned with where you are now. I just needed to be able to execute my own creative vision without impediment or doubt. Or like the focus of everything always being the monetary value of something versus the integral value of something. That was really where I was at. Because I feel like money comes when you connect with people and your authenticity whatever that means for you. I think that there's a wide range of what being authentic means to to each of us. But for me, being authentic is, I'm a little emo. Like I'm an emotional baby. Like I have feelings and I like to explore them and that's what my art is to me. I don't just wanna be somebody who sings other people's songs and gets on a stage and does heavy choreo for everyone. That's not my personal thing. And that's not to say that can't be people's thing. Like that's a super valid thing. It's just not mine, you know? So I just wanted to do my thing, which is to be heavily involved in my creative process and to yes, do choreo, but choreo that connects with the lyrics and connects with my intention with the song. Yes. And I really wanted to do that unapologetically. On the flip side of that, you've said that going independent has made you realize what an expensive little business you're a part of. What has going independent, where have you been able to pull back the curtain and see the ways in which this is an expensive business? Oh my God, everything takes money. <laughs> everything takes quite large amounts of money. I think that's why a lot of people don't stay independent. I think that's why a lot of people end up in deals where they think that what they're getting for their value or for their worth is enough, quote unquote, because they don't know better about what they're actually going to be bringing in for people on the back end. They don't understand. Myself included, when I was younger, I didn't understand how the business model of things worked. You're rebuilding yourself. You're building your sound. Did you also have to rebuild the team around you? Yes. And that's even still under construction, I think, sometimes. I think that as I grow as a businesswoman, I refine what I need. As I grow as an artist, I refine what I need. I've gotten more in touch with my needs and being aware of them. I've healed a lot of my like hyper independence inside of myself that was very afraid of asking for help and very untrusting of everything around me because safety was an option. And so when you feel that way and that's the way that you're resonating, even if it's on a subconscious level, that's what comes to you, you know, is situations like that. Repeat the pattern until you wake up to the pattern. This is just on my healing journey. So yeah, I definitely had to surround myself with people who just understood though where I was trying to go and how I was trying to get there and who believed in me. I believed in myself. And I think everyone that I have around me now definitely has that ethos and definitely believes in my vision and is willing to be present for that. Talk to me about 
your decision to write an open letter to Trump supporters, to use your voice for that? It was a long time ago. But yeah, I think I've grown a lot since then, to be honest, in my understanding of, and not to say that I empathize with people who support Trump, I empathize with why people feel driven to support someone like Trump. And that's a complex nuance, right? Because I'm not saying that he was deserving in any way of any kind of support. I'm more so observing now how we work as a society. And there's a lot of distrust in government. And there's a lot of fear around what we should or shouldn't do because we don't know ourselves and we don't know what we need. We're so used to abuse that we don't even, it's hard for us to imagine a world that's not corrupt. I, at the time, was angry because I couldn't understand how anyone would want to vote for someone who was so blatantly oppressive and blatantly misogynistic and blatantly racist and blatantly all of these things. So now that's the situation we're in. And so at the time I was 18, 19, freshly out the closet, freshly in my power, freshly empowered by my voice, freshly empowered by the concept of using a platform to bring awareness to things. And as I've grown, I've also understood that tangible change doesn't come from just talking. It comes from doing. It comes from investing in community. It comes from being a part of community. And it comes from grassroots effort most of the time. And it doesn't come from politics and it doesn't come from reform. And it definitely isn't going to come from the U.S. government, to be fair, because there is no agenda except the agenda to make money. That is it. And if this pandemic didn't prove that to everybody, I don't know where the fuck everybody is, but it proved that to me. I felt compelled to call in people's humanity. That's why I wrote that letter. Because I was so angry that I couldn't understand why people didn't automatically have that like sense of humanity that I have naturally. I'm very empathic and I'm very hyper aware of the world that we live in and the pain and suffering that's in it. And so I can't fathom when people choose to side with that. But I've now stepped back and understood nuance in that most people are just scared and most people only can meet you where their own education meets them, where their own biases meet them, where their own connection with themselves even, the love for that they have for themselves even is. And Telling people who to be doesn't make them want to change. Does that make sense? But like educating people about what they're doing is like the sneak attack. I'm more inclined to educate people and drive people towards people who educate about topics. Part of what's interesting to me is you were newly out. There was a reckoning happening in this country you had a voice and a platform. I never was told who to be. It was just more of not being able to fully be myself in that mm. I didn't even know who that was in the context of being in a group. You know what I mean? There's no such thing as a personal identity in that kind of context. Mm. I ended up coming out because I was outdid because of what happened. But like, I didn't ever really intend to, but I'm glad I did because now it's like, what? Like, that doesn't even matter. I can't even believe that I thought about whether or not I should. I don't think anybody should have to claim their sexuality. I think you should just do what you want. (laughs) 
I think that who you love and who you have relations with is literally your business. I do want to ask you, was your grandmother who encouraged you to audition for X Factor, what do you think she'd think about this new EP? I had a whole moment with them when I finished it. When I recorded Prelude and I came back from those two days, like I had a whole moment with my ancestors. I like gave them some flowers and I like changed their water out and I just was praying and I could feel them with me. I want to cry. I could like feel them with me. <laughs> They're proud. <laughs> They're proud as fuck and they were with me every step of the way. How do you know if we listen to the album, where will that show up for us? I think that it just shows up in the energy that it gives you. Like, at least the energy it gives me. I just know that I did it. I did what I wanted to do. And it's actually how it's going to come out. <laughs> and that and that in itself was like God in my spirit guides and my ancestors guiding the way for me from vantage points that I can't even see. Here's my final question for you. You are 25. It feels like you've lived like a thousand lives. Girl, so many lives already. What do you want to do next? Oh, I want to keep making music. I think until like my 30s, I think I'm going to make music and art and just like visuals. Of I want to make movies. I have a lot of like ideas. I just want to manifest them over the course of the next five, six, seven years. And then I want to escape to a house on an island with a big ass yard and a bunch of trees and chickens. <laughs> and I just want to live and make art if I want to or if I don't want to, not. And just vibe. And then I want to create healing centers. That's my trajectory. <laughs> Your five year plan? That's 10 year plan because. I think my healing centers, I'll probably start opening. Hopefully I can do it even sooner than I envision. That's my goal is to be able to start that in tandem with moving into my 30s. I want to focus more on that because I just have a vision for like spaces where people can heal, especially kids, kids in like foster care systems and like just displaced or homeless. I just want to create spaces where they can thrive and learn about themselves and have a chance. I love it. Lauren, thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lantigua and me, Alicia Menendez. Sarah McClure is our senior producer. Our lead producer is Cedric Wilson. Kojin Tashiro is our associate sound designer. Steven Colon makes this episode. Jimmy Gutierrez is our managing editor. Manuela Bedoya is our social media editor and ad ops lead. We love hearing from you. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Slide into our DMs on Instagram or tweet us at latinatolatina. Remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, wherever you're listening right now. And remember, every time you share the podcast or you leave a review, you help us to grow as a community.
a little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author, Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.